Good morning, good morning. How are we doing? You are listening to The Morning Blend. How's that? Is that a good name? The Morning Blend. Feedback. We want feedback. The Morning Blend with Ellie. I don't know. We're still, we're still playing things out. We're still trying things out. Regardless, as always, lots to talk about this morning. So this morning is Tuesday. This morning, as today, as as natural nature will have it, today is the president's last full day as president of the United States of America. And uh, I cannot tell you that that doesn't that doesn't make me a little bit uh, what would I say you know dampen my mood. I cannot tell you it doesn't. I, I cannot tell you that it, that it cheers that that you know that it's, I'm cheerful about that pro- the prospect of the f- official change in administration coming about tomorrow at 12 p.m. But We take what we have. We have to work with what we do. One of the things that inspires me is just how much the president is doing. Even though he knows, even though he knows just how much, how much hatred he's up against hasn't stopped him. At any point, even in the last few days, it's remarkable. It's uh, it's inspiring. You know, he signed an executive order. He wants to build a garden of heroes at Mount Rushmore, a garden of heroes. So, you know, and he he has uh, it was another another executive order to protect families of law of of law and order. Uh, Defenders. He's he's not stopping. There's a lot of there's a lot of talk that today, the last day in office, who knows, he is going to be he's going to be releasing one hundred signing one hundred different um, pardons and commutations, clemency. There's a there's a major major effort to get Julian Assange. Julian Assange, we they want Julian Assange to be to be released. That is the that is the goal. They want Julian Assange to be released to be pardoned. Right now, Julian Assange is sitting in a prison in. London. He was not extradited to America. He was not extradited to America, but he is in prison in London. And his crime, obviously, depending on who you'll ask, you'll get a different answer. But his crime is that he is a defender of freedom of speech. He is a whistleblower. He's not an American citizen. He's a whistleblower. 
and he and he leaked information he leaked information that the political establishment that the political establishment didn't like was leaked you see that's the crime it's not that he leaked information it's that he leaked information that the political establishment didn't want him to leak they have no problem if he if you leak information that suits their agenda we know how many things have been leaked that suited their agenda and the people who leaked them were heroes but when you leak something that they don't like they want you locked away and that's really where the president that's really where the president is being pushed on both sides there are the establishment figures in his administration and then there are the and then there's everybody else Tucker Carlson last night devoted a big segment of his show to to free Julian Assange he wants you know they want the president to free Julian Assange i'm going to play a clip of that show i'm going to play a clip of that segment where just where he's where he's something but when it does ooh, when democrats republicans and the media all sound alike all sing the same song from the same hymnal when nancy pelosi talks about venezuelan coups like the neocon she actually is you ought to be nervous about that institutional washington is by far at its most dangerous when there's consensus when it stops reflecting the will of the voters and starts defending its own interests without any opposition whatsoever there may be no issue that unites the establishment wings of both political parties, other than fighting pointless wars, more than this issue. And it's, here it is. Leaking classified information that hurts the permanent political class is a grave threat to national security. It must be stamped out. But leaking classified information that helps the permanent political class is an act of good faith. Son, you're getting a Pulitzer for that. So there was no problem when the FBI told the Washington Post that that diabolical Vladimir Putin was secretly running our government. That was a lie, but not a problem. Or when the CIA director gave classified information to the producers of Zero Dark Thirty, because that's Hollywood and they're our friends. But when those leaks implicate the people in charge, oh, it's a national crisis and someone needs to go to jail. And often people do go to jail. Julian Assange, for example, he's rotting away in a prison in London right now. Why? He published information that the U.S. government wanted to keep secret, not to protect us, but to protect themselves. Footage of an American helicopter gunning down 18 people in Iraq, including, by the way, two journalists from Reuters. He also publicized emails exposing corruption at the very highest levels of the DNC. Bernie Sanders voters may have been grateful for that. They got completely shafted and wouldn't have known it. Now they do. And that infuriated the people who run Washington. Just to be clear, Julian Assange did not hack servers at the U.S. Army, the Pentagon, the DNC. No, he reported on those servers. That's called journalism, which, by the way, real journalism, not much left. It's all under attack. Trust us. So for doing that, for humiliating both our elected leaders and the media class, Julian Assange's life has been destroyed. He's been locked away for almost a decade. This case is not about espionage. He didn't commit espionage. He's not a traitor. He's not American. This case is about criminalizing freedom of speech. The mother of Julian Assange's children came on this show last year and made that point very succinctly. Watch. <clears throat> so that's, that's where I'll pause it there. 
the uh, the mother of of his children, whatever that title is. So she has said that he is the number one crusader of freedom of speech. That is what she deems her Julian. So this is a this is a very um, look. It's definitely something that a person needs to consider person needs to consider but we have to look you know one of the first things we do is we have to look at the sides at the people and what are they saying who is saying yes and who is saying no and unfortunately it's actually there was a, a thing that a, an article that came out yesterday I'm going to have to be gentle as I read this article I have a lot of a lot of thoughts a lot of interesting uh, details about this article, but that uh, where's this article here? Okay, Bill Barr told Trump election fraud claims were uh, nonsense. He didn't use that word. Protected by BLM rioters, protected BLM rioters from Insurrection Act, and blocked Snowden pardon. So Edward Snowden is another one similar. He is, I believe, American citizen, but uh, again, he was a whistleblower. That is their. That is the crime. It's not espionage. It's he's a whistleblower, and the political class don't want these people to be vindicated. They don't want these people to, you know, to to feel as though they can do what they've done. They didn't. The claim is that they put people's lives at risk. I've seen a number of sources that have challenged that. I've seen a number of sources that challenge that. That that's all just again. So long as we ex- accept the information that we're being given by the establishment, so then obviously, if they tell us somebody's people's lives are at risk or they, they they jeopardize the the safety of Americans abroad, then obviously we believe them. But the moment we start to question whether or not maybe they have ulterior motives, maybe they just you know, like Tucker said, when it comes to leaking information that they, they don't mind being leaked, and that's one thing, but when it comes to leaking information that they do mind, then you're a traitor and, uh, and you know, you have to be locked up for the rest of your life. See, Snowden, uh, uh, Assange, Assange faces trial in America that could put him away. That's why he, that's why he's in London. He was in an Ecuadorian embassy for years, and then they they uh, they removed him from there, and he and now he's in a London London prison. In any case, this this is a very interesting report because it has a number of factors that for those who um, for those who trusted Barr, for those who trusted Barr, and I will tell you that I up until a few months ago I was. A very, I was very impressed by William Barr. I was very impressed by William Barr. Everything he'd said had always been something that uh, you know he he he's brilliant. He's patriot. He's a patriot. He wasn't afraid of the of the press. He wasn't afraid of the of the establishment coming after him. You know, ultimately, when you take a job in the administration in 2018, post the midterms, you know. That your life is going to be upended. That requires moral courage, does it not? He was the he was the subject of much ire from the media. They hated him, called him all sorts of names. 
So I really do do believe that he went into this with good intentions. I do believe that still. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's just another piece of the establishment. Regardless, though the though the Axios piece, I'm going to read from this this um, this report here. Though the Axios piece vigorously portrays Trump in a negative light while glorifying Barr, of course, because that's the only salvation, is that if he can come out of this uh, as an adversary to Trump, then he has, then he has some chance of maintaining you know a normal life, because otherwise he's going to be under attack. Following breaking news that Barr had denied had denied election fraud, Trump reportedly summoned Barr to demand an explanation. The stuff that these people are filling your ear with just isn't true, Barr allegedly told the president. It's just garbage. I don't know if he used, you know, you know, the, the president, his style is very matter of fact. He doesn't like the the garbage. So I don't know if he spoke this this harsh, you know, Dvarim Kashim, I don't know if he spoke this harsh to the president uh, in order to send the point across, or if he spoke this harsh because this harsh because he knows that the president likes that type of talk. I I, I don't know something about it. Just tells me he likes the president likes that type of talk. He like you know cut the BS. You know that's just the that's just the word. So it's just it's just BS pressed pressed by Trump. Barr admitted that he had not even watched the Michigan Senate hearing on election fraud. Barr's slothful response to widespread reports of, ele- of election report would later be noted in a scathing rebuke from the Trump legal team. Earlier in the year, this is the note, this is very noteworthy. Uh, earlier in the year, Barr reportedly undermined the president's desire to use military, to use the military to quell mass looting and rioting by, by BLM and Antifa militants that ravaged myriad American cities through the summer. President Trump wanted to invoke the Insurrection Act and make a show of strength which would force the looters off American streets in August. But Barr pushed back against the idea. With help from Joint Chiefs of Staff, Chairman Mark Milley, and Defense Secretary Mark Esper. Esper came on the, you know, that they weren't going to do it. An exasperated Trump reportedly banged his desk on the resolution, banged his hand on the resolute, the resolute, the resolute desk, and stated, no one gives me any bleeping support. Okay, so the president wanted to invoke the Insurrection Act, which, you know, one of the things that I think that has has um, one of the things that sets the president apart is that the president does what's right. The president knew from a very early state stage that if he were to say, you know, he wants open borders. Then what would that accomplish? I mean, he didn't play this mind game with the media that he would take their side. He knew he could. He didn't say, we need to keep the schools closed with the hope that the media are going to come and say, okay, we have to open all the schools. Why not? He said it at rallies at different times. He said he knew that if, the, if he played that card that they would obviously do it. So, so why didn't he play that? Why didn't he play that game with them? Why didn't he take the, you know, play the reverse psychology, you know, as a, as a, as a, as a, treating them as a child, as to the children that they are? The answer is because the president said what was needed to be said and did what was needed to be done. He didn't make those because, because he didn't, he didn't play those games because to him, we need to open the schools. 
We need our children back at school. It's a topic that we're going to be getting today. We need our children back at school. We need to reopen the schools. And that was his position. His position was what was right. His position was, we need children back at schools. That is the proper, correct position. And when, and knowing that the media are going to take the opposite position, it's not his problem. And so it bothered me at the time. The right thing to do, I think, was to, to, you know, force these governors to accept the National Guard, to force the, these governors, you know, to do something about this, this crime that these cities were seeing. I, I have a client from Kenosha who grew up in Kenosha, Wisconsin. She was describing to me what was going on. She hasn't lived there for years, but she was describing what was going on. It's a city that she, 100,000 people live in the city. The city was ravaged. President received no support, no support from his from DOJ, from the chief of the chief, the, the military. They were all against him. What's he going to do? And the article finishes off. Shortly before Trump confirmed that Barr would be gone by Christmas, the AG preemptively moved to block the president from pardoning National Security Agency whistleblower, NSA whistle. He worked for the, I think he worked for the NSA, Edward Snowden, to which Snowden tweeted out something to the effect of, uh, he says, he says it here, if you judge a man by his enemies, I'm doing pretty well. So, you know, the, the establishment, and, and there are those who, who claim that Mike Pompeo, who, you know, I've been pretty impressed by Mike Pompeo. He's, you know, talk about moral courage. He he has been willing to attack those, to, to, to say what needed to be said. But there are those who say, no, he's just part of the deep state. He's just part of the deep state, and he is he is blocking Snowden and Assange and all these types of... See, the president has made an effort. You can see this in a number of his commutations and his pardons. He's made an effort to, to, you know, to grant clemency to people who he sees were victims of the deep state. When the deep state has an agenda to come after you, as if there's anybody who understands what that means, if there's anybody who understands what it means that the deep state has an agenda to come after you, then that's who he has been trying to... And he hasn't really, you know, he hasn't really just granted granted it for political, you know, for, for because it's going gonna, it's gonna to make him look good. Because he knows <laughs> there's very little he can do to make him look good, obviously. So, when the, when the establishment... If we don't, so, if everyone that we're, that we are listening to is saying, oh... This, it's wrong to pardon Snowden or Assange, then we have to start looking at that source. We have to look at that source and ask, why? Why? And maybe I should stop trusting you on other things. Maybe you don't deserve my trust. We shouldn't just, we shouldn't just listen, we shouldn't just trust them because we trust them. Now that we, if there's something that we see, if there's something that we see that they that they are misguiding us about, then if there's anything we see that they're misguiding us about, then perhaps we shouldn't trust them. Perhaps we shouldn't trust them. We should question, we should question who we are trusting. This is another, this is, this is, this is somewhat connected here. 
GOP establishment threatens President Trump with impeachment unless he denies election fraud. This is a it's a major story because the idea that that the that the Senate even has the ability to convict the president after the president is no longer going to be in office is uh, a month ago wouldn't even be being considered controversial. It would have been outright out out outright wrong. Today, there are all sorts of constitutional scholars that are claiming that the president can be impeached after he leaves office. Those who disagree, those who disagree will tell you that the reason is because impeachment was specifically, specifically a, a clause in order to remove Remove the the person in office. Again, it's not just for the president, but that's where it's most widely applied. To remove the person in office. Once the person is no longer in office, then there's no impeachment. So this is a, this is, you know, but again, again, all these people in order to, in order to appease whatever, whatever it is they, um, they, uh, whichever side that they're playing for, they'll say whatever it needs, whatever is necessary. Well, this, this article, you know, might surprise you. It might not. Republican Party establishment strategist, Carl Rove. Carl Rove, we know, was, uh, very involved with George W. He was the one who, you know, they say put him in office. Is informing President Donald Trump that he will likely be impeached unless he stops talking about Russian collusion. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Election fraud. Electoral fraud. Russian collusion. That's the other. You know, she, Mrs. Clinton, you know, if you say, you say her name, you have to know, you know, what, what what's going to happen if you say her name here. Let's do this one. You say her name, Hillary. Let's do that one, right? Hillary. Okay. That's it. Hillary. So... Hillary came out yesterday that she thinks that the president needs to have his his phone records his phone records um, uh, checked because maybe he had a conversation with Vladimir Putin on the day of the capital mostly peaceful protest. That's what she said. It's it's unreal. It's unreal. You know, you just can't make this stuff up. She said he she needs to have his Subpoenas. She needs to. They need to subpoena his phone records to see if maybe he spoke with Vladimir Putin. Really, really delusional Hillary. Maybe that's what she should call her. Not, not crooked Hillary. Delusional Hillary. But that would apply to the, all the rest of them. Although so does crooked. Rove is trying to use the president's precarious position following the January six, mostly peaceful U.S. Capitol uh, rally. I'm putting that in. To pressure him into folding, he appeared on Fox News Sunday with Chris Wallace to deliver the threat. Wallace asked, Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell says that he is keeping an eye, open mind about the second impeachment trial of Donald Trump. A big difference, sharp difference from his clear opposition from the very start of the first impeachment trial just a year ago. What do you think, Carl? Are the chances that 17 Senate Republicans, and that's what it would take if all of the Democrats vote for conviction, 17 Senate Republicans would vote to convict Donald Trump and to keep them from running again. 
Rove responded, normally we say not much chance, but I think Leader McConnell's statement is a sign that every Republican senator needs to take this seriously. I think it's all going to boil down what's the president's defense. Rudy Giuliani charted a very bad course for the president in the morning papers when he suggested that the argument was going to be in there. Was going to be in there. Couldn't have been incitement because all of the charges of widespread voter fraud are true. Well, those charges and the so-called experts in the campaign has mustered to advocate them have been rejected by over 50 courts with judges appointed by President Trump. And we said, which pause, they weren't appointed by President Trump because it was McConnell who nominated them. Yes, obviously it's the president who's nominated them officially, but you can't get anything on the Senate floor without McConnell, uh, without McConnell's, um, willing, willingness. As we saw when Obama tried to nominate Merrick Garland, the Senate majority leader said, no, we're not even going to, going to bring him to the, to, to, for a vote. So none of the judges could have been cleared had McConnell not been willing. So that's not that's that's a lie. But again, it's just part of the lie. It's just all it's all part of the lie. It's 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 the president's judges, and of course, these president the president judges, they are we the people. They don't they're not they're not working for the establishment. Ask them what they would do. Go and ask them what they would do about Julian Assange. Go and ask three hundred judges if they would release Julian Assange. I dare say you might get ten percent, and I'm not even convinced you'll get ten percent that will say to release to to pardon Julian Assange. So if, 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 if people in the, in journalism, and if people in the media who are trying to be open-minded are all saying to release Julian Assange, and then you have all those, those establishment judges who just played their hand against the president, go ask them, and then, and then, and then are we gonna now, is that gonna now reflect on those judges? President Trump's judges. President Obama, President Bush, President Clinton, all, and I think even one Reagan justice. So if it's the Rudy Giuliani defense, there is a strong likelihood that more than 17 Republicans will because essentially, will, because essentially that argument is this, is, is this was justified. This is, this is, this is a report. This is a, uh, it's transcribed. So you have to forgive me. It's not, it's not, not punctuated properly. There is a strong likelihood that more than 17 Republicans, the attack on the Capitol and the attempt to end the congressional hearing on certifying the election was justified because all these charges are true and frankly they aren't. They have been given every opportunity to prove them in a court of law and have failed to do so. By the way, it wasn't 50 because the, the Rudy Giuliani did not bring 50, 50 uh, lawsuits. Rudy Giuliani, the, 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 the lawsuits, the 50 lawsuits are including every effort there are there are other independent um groups that have brought lawsuits but that's what they do they like to clump them all together i think it really boils down to what's the defense that the president is going to make and if it's Rudy giuliani's defense i think it raises the likelihood of more than 17 republicans voting for conviction now we haven't really discussed impeachment i there's a lot to say about about what impeachment is about about what the about what the the arguments of the different sides in impeachment, the side for to impeach, the side to impeach, and the side not to impeach. There's different there are different arguments that can be made. We haven't really we haven't really delved into those, but obviously 
obviously the simplest, the simplest, and 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 that which Alan Dershowitz has already said he'll come to the the, the president's defense once again. You know, he's he's already been blackballed. He doesn't really care at this point. Eighty-two years old. He said, he said that um, the argument is is that the president incited violence in his speech. That's on on, on January sixth. That is the simplest argument. That there are those who you know who will claim that it's this election fraud issue. Okay, but that's a very that's a very roundabout way of inciting people under every established incident scenario in the courts that is not called incitement not it, of course the, what the president did on january 6th is also not called incitement but there's no there's no the, there there he's been criticized by different people for his ter- use of terms and you know and 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 and, and march to the capital etc so obviously it's not incitement but that's that's what they're going on here here, this isn't even this election fraud. They're going to convict him. They're going to punish him because he's talking about election fraud. Because that's what's that's what's inciting people. It's not that people, you know, I love this. Imagine the president was talking about election fraud and nobody believed it, or you had a very small group of people, like the people who believe in Russian collusion. You know, maybe people believe in Russian collusion. I don't even think it's more than fifteen percent. I dare say, and I don't, I'm not even convinced it's that high. Really, really believe in Russian collusion. I don't think it's that high, but let's say it's fifteen percent of people. Here, we've said the numbers. There are between thirty-nine to sixty-one percent of America believe that the election was fraudulent. Thirty-nine is the least; sixty-one is is let's say the most. But there's a great number of people that believe that the election was fraudulent. So let's not let's let, let's you know. So here, the, the the establishment is coming and putting its foot its 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 foot down. It's clamping down its fist against the president. Mitch McConnell is reportedly pleased about the possibility of Trump's second impeachment, viewing is it as an important as an opportunity to purge Trump from the Republican Party and whatever else conservative ink deems toxic. That's right. See, this is a, this is the point. They want him out. They think that you know this is an interesting point we'll we'll mention here. There are those out there who'll say, you know, Donald Trump is 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 just a man, right? Donald Trump ultimately represents something. So why do you have to rally around Donald Trump? Why do you have to rally around Donald Trump? Anybody, anybody could accomplish Trump's, um, you know, mission. Anybody could do it. Why not find somebody who's less... Uh, blemished, who's who's pure, who's you know who's who, that there's less that there's less to attack for. Well, I think the answer is well, why do they hate him so much? I'm not saying that there's no logic in that argument, but the reality is, is that there, there's something they they hate him so much, so much. Why do they hate him so much? If anybody could do it, so then let, you know, let them just enter the dustbin of history. Why? Because they know that it's not true. They know that there is. I mean, look, Holly and Cruz have definitely shown their moral courage, but 
there's, that's only after the president has. There's very, there, there, there are very few people out there. There are very few people out there that you can, that you can think about. And, and, and some of people are very impressive. DeSantis is very impressive. Christy Nome, you know, South Dakota. That's where I say we'd move. South Dakota, South Dakota. People are flocking to South Dakota. But let's be honest. There's a, there, what they hate about him, what they despise about him, is his, 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 his relentlessness, his willingness to do what needs to be done no matter what. Don't you get it, Donald? Don't you get it? No, I don't get it. Impeach me again. You still have 36 hours. Come on. 42 hours, I guess. Come on. No, it's, uh, 1034 our time. Come on. You still have more time. Do it. I dare you. He knows, he knows what it is. He knows what it's about. In a New York Times report published Monday afternoon, Jonathan Martin and Maggie Haberman write that the outgoing Senate Majority Leader believes Trump committed impeachable offenses. McConnell also welcomes impeachment in order to justify dumping Trump and shedding his influence over the GOP. Now, I'm not saying we can believe everything the New York Times says. But you never know. McConnell, Republican of, you know, the, uh, he's the Senate Republican of Kentucky, has indicated that he wants to see this specific article of impeachment that the House is set to approve on Wednesday, which is expected to draw support from as many as a dozen Republicans, potentially including Representative Liz Cheney of Wyoming. Okay, that's, that's you know, it's a, this, a, this is a, this is a, a very, you know, you're dealing with so many different issues. Again, it's going he's already, he's not going to be president anymore. You want to, you're going to, you're going to impeach somebody who's not going to be president. He didn't incite anybody because his speech was, was at most controversial, not inciting violence. But nonetheless, this is the establishment. This is the establishment. So, so look, I'm not predicting anything. I'm, I'm hopeful that the president is going to pardon Assange and Snowden and many others. They say that there, there are a hundred, a hundred, a hundred different, uh, clemencies coming out today. But, uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Time will tell. Time will tell. We can be hopeful. There's a local story. We'll see what else we have to this story. We'll see what else we can get to. Before we get to that, though, part of it is a Washington Examiner uh, article. Study shows extremely low rate of coronavirus transmission in school. Zero percent from child to adult. This is, I think, yesterday. A study of almost a dozen North Carolina school districts found an extremely limited rate of coronavirus transmission and no transmission from children to adults. The study, conducted over a nine-week period, tracked 100,000 people across 11 school districts and found that only 32 coronavirus cases were acquired at school. 32. And none of those instances involved child-to-adult transmission. Over nine weeks, 11 participating school districts had more than 90,000 students and staff attend school in person. Of these, there were 773 community-acquired SARS-CoV-2 infections documented by molecular testing. The study's abstract, abstract reads, Through contact tracing, North Carolina Health Department staff determined an additional 32 infections were acquired within schools. No instances of child-to-adult transmission of SARS-CoV-2 were reported within schools. The study focused primarily on hybrid instruction, 
which combines in-person and remote learning and took place between August 15th and October 23rd. As the community raids took off, their plans and procedures were in place and they towed the line and the differences were out, really outstanding. In fact, the worse things get in the community, paradoxically, the greater the advantage to be in a high compliance area like in a school, like a school. Dr. Daniil Benjamin, a Duke School of Medicine professor of pediatrics and the lead author of the report said about the results crediting the school's adherence to social distancing policies. Last year, a German study concluded that children do not play a major role in spreading the coronavirus in schools and may even serve as a break on the disease. A study in Scotland published in September came to a similar conclusion and suggested that individuals who spend significant amounts of time around children were less likely to contract the virus. And yet, and yet, in our glorious nation here, in the lockdown that we're in, we have two very interesting articles, two very interesting reports. Number one, I'm going to read it as it's reported. I'm going to read it as it's reported. I'm going to try not to send any messages in my tone as I read it. M.K. Yitzchak Pindras of UTJ spoke with 103FM radio about the lockdown and the school closures. In an interview, Pindras told 103FM that Rabbi Chaim Kanievsky said both last week and this week that schools should close. However, he added that parents still have an obligation to teach their children Torah. Very good. Thank you. Thank you, Yitzchak Pindras. If a few neighbors get together and learn Torah together, it's a good and healthy thing, he added. But I think that schools should not open. Okay, so a few neighbors get together, learn Torah. It's a good thing. Okay. However, he emphasized the lockdown is being kept. It's being kept. Would be respected for an additional, would be respected for an additional week. That's depend, that depends on whether or not it is making an impact, he said. If we need another week and that'll help, then definitely yes. Approximately 80-90% keep the guidelines. It's between 10-20% to 20% who do what they want. I don't think that's okay, he emphasized, adding, I don't think institutions should be opening. Regarding whether Torah learning can be put on a pause for a week, Pindras said, laying phylacteries... This is the listen. Listen to the listen to the listen to Pindrus laying phylacteries. Obviously, he didn't use that word. That's the um, that's the uh, Arut Sheva article. They're trying to translate it into English. It's filling. Okay. Uh, laying phylacteries has been done every day. Prayer must be every day. And Torah learning must also be every day. It's not something that you can do one day off and one day on. You can't skip prayers for two days and then make it up the next days. Learning Torah over Zoom does not work well. That's something else. When asked about the upcoming elections, Pindras added support for Israeli King Bibi Netanyahu. It's not about the person. It's about the block, of course. 
So that was Yitzhak Pindras. He tells us that there is a mitzvah, there is a positive commandment to learn Torah and to daven and to pray, just in case you thought that the MKs had already overruled our millennial-long traditions, but uh, divine traditions. We, we have Yitzhak Pindras to tell us that they are still, in fact, very much relevant in our day. However, however, there is a new Torah for the current period of time. Nonetheless, another poll. This is uh, this is fascinating to me. Although I mean, fascinating in the sense that they're look. I, I'm not surprised at all by this. I've been I've been saying this for the whole for the whole time. But it's it's fascinating. It's fascinating um, that that they're you know that they're coming out with this. Most Haredim support closing schools. New poll by Kol High Radio shows over 60% support closing schools. Over half of Haredi disappointed with parties' conduct during pandemic. The Haredi community overwhelmingly supports closing schools because of the rise in infection rates. A new poll by Kol High Radio showed, according to the poll published Monday morning, 61.5% believe that closing schools was the right thing to do, while just 385 believe the schools should have remained open. The poll also showed that 58% of the Haredi public is concerned about the virus, while 32% are not concerned. Financially, this is, this is, this listen to this, 27% of respondents said their financial situation worsened during the pandemic, while 60% said it remained the same, and 13% said it improved. So, that's a, uh, That's a, a very telling number. No? So 73%, let's, let's break that down a little bit. 73% of the Haredi uh, community has, has said that this um, current 10-month period has either been positive or neutral financially for them. Interesting. Then interesting. Seventy-three percent. Regarding the vaccine, seventeen percent said they had received the first dose, while two percent said they had received both doses of the coronavirus vaccine. Another twenty percent said they have no interest in being vaccinated, while thirty-two percent were not eligible to be vaccinated yet. Another twenty-eight point five had recovered from COVID nineteen itself. So according to this number, one in three Haredi people have already had the virus, basically. Which you can imagine is much higher, right? Because most people don't even know that they have it. When asked where they pray, 52% said they pray in synagogue in capsules or in a ventilated area, while 25% said they pray in a synagogue's courtyard. And 13% said they pray in the courtyard of the building, while 6% said they pray at home, and 4% said they pray in other areas. It's a very interesting statistics of how many, of just how much people have have bought in. When questioned about Israel's upcoming elections, 57.5% said they will vote for the UTJ party, while 23% they would vote for the Sephardic, Haredi Shas, and the 4.4% said they were planning to vote for MK Betzal Smotrich. Interesting, eh? Well, 1.5% said they would vote for Otsma Yudit, 1% said they would vote for Yamina, and 06 said they would vote for Likud. A previous 
poll showed slightly different results with 69% planning to vote for UTJ and 25% planning to vote for Shas. So Shas and UTJ have both lost numbers, um, votes in, during the, during, I guess, the pandemic. When asked for their opinion on their local authorities' activities during the pandemic, 53% said they were happy with how their authorities had acted, while 47% said they were not happy. Wasn't that a nice clean number? 53 and 47. It's almost half and half. In addition, over half, 51% of respondents were not happy with how the Haredi parties had conducted themselves during the pandemic, while just 49% said they were happy with how their parties had handled the pandemic. So I guess that's, that, you know, that, that, that difference explains why the people are, are, uh, 57.5% as opposed to 69%. So people aren't happy. Whatever they're not happy with, I don't know. I'm not going to get into that. What exactly they're not happy with. But beyond reading those those polls, however much we can make of them, the point here is is that 61.5% believe that schools should be closed. 61.5%. Our children's school is closed. And I think the reason is is because the parents don't have the appetite to open. If you know the parents, the school doesn't have the appetite and the parents don't have the tolerance. The schools that are open are because the parents want the schools open. If the parent wanted the school open, if the parents want the school open, the school would be open. As you see from the schools that are open. It's a, the parents have to be willing to come out to fight unfortunately that's not what happens unfortunately the parents have bought in despite the fact that the science just isn't there the reason why we need to keep the schools closed is because they know that if the schools were open parents would be able to go to work and if parents could go to work well then it's not a very good lockdown, is it? So therefore they need to keep they need to keep the schools closed. They need to keep the schools closed. It's it's a sad thing when you think about how many children are being affected. It's a sad thing when you think about how many children are being affected. You know, if you're in a stable environment so for a limited period of time, you're able to keep your children in a structure. But it depends on how old your children are. It depends on, on how long we're talking. It's a, it's a very, it's a very, it's a very difficult thing. It's a very difficult thing. And for what? And for what? Virtually zero spread of this virus comes from children. If anything, if anything, the children build their own natural immunities. So why can't, why can't children be in school? Because parents are okay with it. That's the reason. Because parents are okay with it. They're not, they don't know the science. It's amazing. Most Haredim support schools closing, even though it's 60%. The article is most Haredim. Well, I guess, yeah, technically, 
it's more than 51%, more than 50%, that's called most. But there's still 30, almost 40% of people that don't. It's not enough. It's not enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're not going to be willing to fight. They're not going to be willing to fight. If the school opened, the school would be on their own. The school would be on their own. And that means that the school cannot take that risk because the school can't fight on its own. There's an article that I saw. I thought it was more you know, humorous. Well, we'll end off with a couple of humorous, humorous articles. Humorous articles. Um, one, I meant to mention this earlier, but you know the uh, the, the the capital riots, the capital violence, the capital this, the capital that. One of the, you know, there's been a lot of rhetoric, a lot of hyperbolic rhetoric coming from these Congress people. How they thought their lives were at risk. They thought they were going to die. They thought they were going to die. You know that's what they say. I saw that one of the reasons was because. One of the uh, individuals who was who was uh, arrested, he was arrested with cable ties. Could you believe it? He had cable ties, zip ties, zip ties, and it's like in Israel, everybody has zip ties. In Israel, everybody has zip ties. Why is that considered to be a dangerous weapon? Zip ties? Who doesn't have zip ties in their cars? Uh, the whole country is held together with zip ties. Zip ties aren't dangerous, but all of a sudden this person has zip ties, and he because he was going to, he was going to capture, and he was going to, to which call it, you know, hold hostage, take hostage. This was a very serious thing, all because he had zip ties. Eh, pathetic, pathetic, and uh, that was that was one that was one humorous point. I'll tell you another one was there was a another another article. This is coming out of the Jerusalem Post. Jerusalem Post. Iran loses UN voting rights over unpaid dues and blames U.S. sanctions. This 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 is something that should be parodied, you know. If there were, what's the Israeli, you know, the Israeli SNL, um, Zehuze, you know, I've seen any clips of that? They have some very very funny stuff. I mean, this is something that should that should be parodied. They lose their voting rights, not over terrorism, not over over their treatment of women, not over you know their treatment of their civilians. No 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 no. The UN has restricted their rights, their voting rights, because of unpaid dues. Iran owes $16.2 million more than any other country. You know, you imagine their representative arriving at the cafeteria in the UN and he's trying to buy a muffin on his, uh, on his, uh, tab. Oh, no, no, no. You know, you owe $16.2 million. We can't, we can't give you that muffin right now. Iran and six other countries lost their right to vote. In the UN General Assembly, I think it's just hilarious because, I mean, it's sick, right? It's not hilarious, it's sick, but whatever. Because they have not paid their dues, UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres said on Monday, Iran blamed U.S. sanctions for blocking the Islamic Republic from paying its required contribution to the UN. Of course, it's the U.S. sanctions. Well, I guess, you know, 
either that's great that means it's working that they don't have any money or they're just they're just you know the un sees through it because if it was just because of the u.s and they i think they would just let them go i think they know that they have the money but if it, if it is because of the u.s sanctions then that's great well, it's wonderful that's working guterres wrote a letter to general assembly president volkan Bozkir of turkey at the country's in a peer, in, in arrears, in arrears, in they, they, they debt to the UN will have their UNGA voting rights suspended in accordance with the UN Charter, which calls for the suspension of voting rights if a member state fails to pay its fees for more than two years. Iran owes $16.2 million more than any other country. Why can't some other country pay for it? You know, front them the money. Iranian Foreign Ministry spokesman Saeed Kat Katibzadeh uh, said the funds designated for UN payments are frozen in two South Korean banks due to US sanctions. He said the Islamic Republic has a total of seven billion dollars in those banks. No, you know, we're good for it. We're good for seven billion dollars. No, no, no. Katibzadeh demanded that the UN guarantee the payments are safely transferred without using US banks. Given that the United States has encroached upon Iran's international assets before, the Islamic Republic of Iran insists that the UN not use an American intermediary bank to receive our country's membership fee. Ah, so this is the problem. I, was, I read this earlier, but it didn't fit. Or that the, this organization guarantee the financial transfer channel so they can transfer the money from South Korea, but it can't go through an American bank. And the UN has to have it go through an American bank. So the Amer- basically another country has to get involved. Okay. Regardless, the other countries losing their UNGA rights are Niger, Libya, and Central African Republic, Congo, Brazzaville, South Sudan, and Zimbabwe. Three more countries, Comoros, Sao Tome, and Principe in Somalia. Somalia will be allowed to vote despite missing due payments because they sufficiently demonstrate they are incapable of paying. So if you're incapable of paying, you can continue to vote. But if you have the money, then you can't. I know why Ilhan Omar can't send the money to Somalia. I'm sure she's siphoned off enough siphoned off enough to be able to send them the money but regardless look iran has plenty of money and the un knows that they fund lots of terrorism they fund all sorts of things but in this scenario they're not willing to pay and no one's willing to front them the money i think it's just a hilarious hilarious article again it's sick it's sick that this is the reason why they can't vote and not for moral reasons, but it's the UN, so it shouldn't really surprise us. In any case, that has been our show this morning, right here on The Morning Blend. How does it sound? The Morning Blend? Good morning, Israel. <clears throat> Good morning, Israel. The Morning Blend. Israel AM. I don't know. Throwing out different ideas. Feedback is obviously uh, always welcome regardless have a great day have a great morning and uh cheer up cheer up let's count let's count the the seconds savor the minutes while the the world is still at the helm of djt ultimately god is in control have a great day we look forward to being with you please god tomorrow <laughs>